0: Not only are sick individuals highly susceptible to infection, they also serve as sources of disease agents, even though the signs and symptoms of infection may not be apparent.
1: I'm gonna tell the world we're true. Breaking hearts was
0: just your pastime. You've done it for the last time. I'm gonna wash my hands of you. It's a weird time, and uh, really unlike any that I think I've ever experienced in my lifetime uh, with the current um, COVID nineteen slash coronavirus pandemic. And as such, uh, certainly you know we, as a society, and not even just like the team here, but as a as a group, um, but we as an entire like nation are kind of trying to weather our way through what is unfortunately one of the most challenging things that we've probably ever seen collectively as a generation. And so um uh you know as as it sort of speaks to the stuff that uh, we do at ScreenRex on a regular basis. You know uh, you've probably seen uh, if you are an avid movie goer quite a few movie theaters are closed. Um I think Regal and AMC have completely like shut down for the next couple weeks at least. Uh, and a number of major film releases have been postponed. Uh, those obviously are very minor things in the grand scheme of things, but uh, I guess it really is me just trying to address why there's very little content lately um, because frankly uh, there's nothing to go see post invisible man and, and blood shit. So the, uh, <laughs> yeah. so the, the, the screenwrecks podcast is uh, sort of our outlet for uh, sort of continuing, um, uh, Uh, coverage of of things that we're interested in and uh, certainly I'm I'm glad that we have that ability and hopefully this won't be like one of those recordings that they find after the world's over (laughs) and it's like oh here's here's Kyle and Harper and Kyle and Hannah talking about uh
1: back when they just thought it was about staying (laughs) inside and watching movies they're talking
2: about Invisible Man and they had no idea what was happening the next day (laughs) they had no idea that tomorrow
3: the Invisible Men would be released (laughs) (laughs) (laughs)
0: <laughs> yeah um so like i one of the things that's really like um difficult about being isolated and when you have like sort of um a quarantine situation is finding a way to keep yourself from going crazy i think a little bit at least keeping yourself entertained and we're only like a week and a half in so it's we're not even at the like the front end of this frankly but um even over the course of like the last six, seven, eight, nine days, uh, I know Hannah and I have sat here um, trying to figure out, well, we can't go do something tonight because nothing is open and we're not allowed to really do that kind of stuff. It's not, you know, it's pretty frowned upon and rightfully so. So what else are we going (laughs) to do? So uh, I thought this would be kind of an interesting discussion. How do you keep yourself entertained during a quarantine and maybe perhaps this episode could provide some level of guidance for folks who are looking for things to do uh during the course of however long this is gonna last i I hope it is not any longer than another couple weeks but uh you know the curve is still rising so i'm sad to say um but anyway I'm interested in what you guys are doing. I know Hannah and I have got a few things we've got been doing on days and nights, keeping our, our time entertained. But, uh, you know, Harper, you were telling me you had some, said some suggestions off the top. So man, I, I would love to hear how you and Michelle are, are spending the days.
2: Sure. Well, yeah. So I just wanted to give, um, as, as kind of, well, <laughs> I say our resident horror expert, but you know, to different degrees we're all horror, horror people, but, um, you know, I, I get it if nobody wants to go. I'm not going to tell everybody to go out and watch Contagion and that pandemic miniseries on Netflix because that seems just horrifying right now. But uh, we I watched will...
0: Contagion, by the way. Sorry, I don't want to interrupt. We did watch Contagion like last week.
2: Oh, I've been super I... tempted to rewatch it too. <laughs> I, I
3: literally wrote about
2: Contagion last yeah.
3: week.
0: <laughs> yeah. It's a very good piece. You guys should read it.
2: <laughs> yeah. I know a lot of folks are doing that, but I yeah, I just wanted to preface that, like, look, I get it if people don't want to watch movies about people dying right now. But um, you know, that's kind of my bag, I guess. Uh, so I, w- I was just going to say that, um, there's two, two really cool resources for horror movies that are available to everybody right now. And that's that, uh, Fangoria is offering two months free digital subscription, which is really cool. Um, cause their, their relaunch in the last, uh, year and a half has been an excellent source of, you know, critical writing about horror movies and, um, and great reviews and interviews and things like that. So that's been super fun. And I think that's a really cool resource for people who, you know, want to read up. I mean, if you want to hear, uh, uh, Robert Eggers and Ari Aster talk about, uh, Midsummer and the lighthouse in an interview, then, you know, that's, that's definitely your place to go. Cause where else are you going to see the two of them having a conversation and a casual conversation about that. But, um, so that's one really cool resource that I would really recommend. Um, and then the other one is uh shutter, which I, I probably talk about all the time on this podcast, but uh Shutter's offering a free 30 day subscription to anybody out there with, uh, I think the code is shut in. Um, and there's just tons of great stuff on shutter. Um, I wrote down a couple of recommendations, um, but like uh, first, first off like uh, one cut of the dead that we was <laughs> our only other choice for best movie of the year at the Rexies this year. So other than parasites, so that's a really good one. Um, <laughs> Uh, and Mandy was, I think, might have been our movie of the year in 2018. Maybe was it? Was it was definitely one of the nominations. I can't remember if it won or not. I feel like no. I can't imagine it won. Maybe the
1: favorite one. I think
0: the favorite one. Okay, what
2: well, was the nominee at least for Rex?
1: loved it. Though.
2: <laughs> yeah, I think we all liked Mandy. Um, but uh, there's tons of other great stuff on there. The biggest one I would recommend is um, all of the various Joe Bob Briggs marathons and and series that they've done on there is a really cool thing. And if you're looking for a way to make a 90 minute movie last for two and a half hours, then that's a great way to do it. Uh, Cause essentially those are just uh, they're curated movies by shutter and Joe Bob Briggs. Uh, who's the, the drive-in movie critic. Uh, he hosted monster vision and all that stuff. But um, so essentially you watch uh, horror movies and then every, I don't know, 15 minutes or so it break takes a break from the movie and he'll go into some trivia about the movie or has a guest on the show and talks about it. Um, it's, often irreverent and goofy but uh equally as much super insightful and interesting uh about kind of the history of how some of these movies were made so um and there's probably i don't know 30 or 40 movies like that up on shutter now that he's done those kind of uh commentaries on so that's a really really fun resource if you're into horror movies to to watch that and, and get his take on some of those things
0: so wait, uh, on this Joe Bob Briggs business. Cause I, I see our buddy Spencer talking about this all the time. Yeah. Um, I mean, I remember him from like the TNT days, you know? Um, but I guess what's, are, are there like any specific movies
2: that are like must sees from his, um, you know, hit from his programming side of things? Oh man. I mean, there's a lot of good ones. I mean, one of my personal favorites, uh, uh house of the devil is one of the ones that he did that i thought was super interesting he had some really good commentary on that that i just stuff i hadn't thought about really um let's see i'm trying to think of some of the other specific ones the problem is over time like the ones that shudders loses the rights to disappear (laughs) but there's still a ton up here um let me see oh i know another really good one was uh it was a movie i wanted to recommend anyways is society the brian Yuzna movie which, uh,
3: wild ride.
2: Yes. (laughs) And, and it's particularly interesting right now because it's a movie about the rich literally eating and absorbing the poor. (laughs) So, you know, a little topical. Um, so that, and that one's super fun and gross and got lots of great, uh, slimy special effects and stuff. And there's lots of, uh, Larry Cohen movies too. Um, cue the winged serpent is another really great one that I would recommend that has, has some really great, uh, commentary on it.
3: And, cue the winged serpent i'll actually back up that too just because uh if you haven't seen that it looks like it's going to be a very schlocky very standard monster movie and what they did was they gave a uh really noted character actor uh the lead role in it Mm -hmm. and he turns in one of my favorite horror performances ever he's just he's kind of uh and correct me if i'm wrong harper it's been a few years since i last watched it but he's like a uh not a grifter but almost you know like he's he's kind of a low-class criminal like street you know like kind of like uh um just trying to like make enough money to get through to the next day slash
2: jazz pianist
3: (laughs) slash jazz pianist and it's a delightful performance honestly like it would not be out of place in today's like elevated horror landscape, except the movie around it is like this really kind of cheesy, fun creature feature. So it's a really cool juxtaposition for modern viewers.
0: Isn't there like a, a mob element to that movie too? I can't remember. Maybe I've made that up.
2: Uh, yeah. Yeah. It starts out as like a gangster movie. It's like these gangsters basically come across this giant nest with, e- with gigantic eggs in the, uh, in the Chrysler building. I think it's in the Chrysler building. Um, so it's like partially like a gangster movie, but yeah, one of those gangsters is kind of trying to play them against each other and go into the cops. So there's also like this detective element and there's like a cult that's trying to raise this ancient Aztec God, which is this great stop motion, the winged serpent. Uh, so it's, it's kind of got a million different, it's kind of got all kind of genre movies crammed into one, but it really works. It's a great movie
0: yeah i i I heard about it um stephen Bissett uh was the great comics artist was talking about it on facebook uh when he he, you know he's a huge horror guy and he always like kind of puts up like these one sheets that he buys on ebay he's like i bought this one let me tell you about my memories of this movie when i saw it in the theater in 1981 or whatever and uh that i've been very curious about that one ever since i saw it so, uh, I'm glad to hear it's, it's, it's worth checking out. And you said that's on shutter.
2: It's on shutter. Yeah. And you can watch it with the, uh, as part of the Joe Bob, uh, the last drive-in show. And that, that's a great way to see it. Cause you'll get a lot of background on, on the director as well.
0: You know what else you can see on shutter is, uh, some of the great work of Mr. Harper Harris in terms of his audio work. I think uh, there's some recommendations to make there. Right. Harper.
2: That's true. I wasn't going to like, you know, self-promote and all that, but yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah. The creep show, the first season of creep show is up on there, which I did the Foley for about half the season. So that's, that's pretty cool.
1: Harper. Tell us the coolest sound effect you used in creep show.
2: Oh man. Uh, Well, there's there's a ton of like, almost every episode has some gross slimy thing. So uh, but my, my favorite anecdote to talk about when I was working on that was that I had to make so much uh, shells and cheese like, you know, the macaroni and cheese, but the shell pasta that I, I'll never eat it ever again because I, <laughs> I had to make it like three times a week and I'd make it and then be digging my hands around in it and putting like maple syrup or ketchup or whatever in it to make it even slimier. And so it's like I can't even like think about it without <laughs> it's just it's so disgusting to me now. So that was oh. that was my go to. I'm and out
1: mac and cheese every time i hear slime sounds now.
2: <laughs> it works <laughs> somebody figured it out
0: <laughs> i hadn't been tempted by shutter in some time um uh, but i uh hannah just got done watching the grudge uh, no, for the i saw that yeah ever yeah you know, which, which one uh the sarah michelle geller one
3: all right, so the middle bad one.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how many there are, you know, but like uh, I, 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 we, saw the, we saw Ju-on um
1: long time long ago. Time yeah. ago yeah. I mean, watching The Grudge is actually part of my first tip for quarantining, which is decluttering. Um, <laughs> 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 if you're anything like us, we have massive collections of media. So DVDs, Blu-rays, books. And it's been interesting to play the game of, if I am trapped in a quarantine for another month, would I read this or watch this? <laughs> if then, would I do it? And a lot of times, you have to accept the answers like, if you haven't done it this 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 whole time, maybe you still won't. Um, so asking that question forced me to part with some things that were just sitting on my shelf collecting dust, and then make a stack of things that Okay, yes, if I was desperate, I would read this, or I've actually been looking forward to reading this or watching this, and I just haven't. Um, and then the bonus is you get to kind of clean up with anything that you just you know, if you're not gonna watch it now, you're not gonna watch it.
2: Yeah, this is like the post-apocalyptic version of uh, Marie Kondo. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, kind of. yeah. So was <laughs> one of those things that I was like, if I don't watch this now, I'm never gonna watch it. It was right on the line. I bought it forever ago on clearance and I was like, I'm just going to watch this to say that I did. So.
0: And guess where it's going next? The garbage can.
1: (laughs) It's definitely not worth keeping post that one watch. It was fine. It wasn't great, but I'm glad that I did it. So it's just off of my list.
0: Um, The only reason I said shutter is because I said, the next thing we should watch is Sadako versus Kayako which is uh the 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 grudge lady versus oh, the right ring lady. uh and that is on uh that is on that is on shutter uh, which I, I have to be honest with you i'm somewhat tempted to see just to see how they pull that off <laughs> probably not well um
3: <laughs> and, and, and of course uh you've seen on, you've seen the sarah michelle geller one you've got to see the 2020 remake of the grudge right that is the uh, first movie of the new decade to get an F uh, cinema score? Ooh.
1: Wow, I didn't even know that happened. I didn't
0: either.
3: <laughs> no one
1: did. <laughs>
0: <laughs> really came and went. I, I see. I do remember that. It was like an early January release, like first week of January, maybe.
1: Mm, well, if the Sarah Michelle Geller one took me like eight years to watch, that one probably take me like sixteen years to watch. <laughs>
0: yeah it's it's never gonna happen but we did we did get to revisit uh the name amber tamblin uh because she's then the sequel to yeah the well because the first
1: one ended and i was like how is there a grudge too what's that about <laughs> how i was like well pretty sure it's just amber tamblin and not sarah michelle keller <laughs> yeah
0: um so wait harper was there anything else on your list before we move on
2: no i mean i was i was gonna say well i'll throw one more in uh if you've never seen John Carpenter's Body Bags, which was like his pitch for doing like a uh, a weekly anthology horror show that basically just turned into a movie because nobody wanted to make it as a show, uh, it's bizarre and a lot of fun. It's got John Carpenter himself playing like the host. He's like a he works in a morgue and he's he looks like a corpse. And then uh, and it's got one of the segments has Mark Hamill as a baseball player who gets an uh, an eye replacement surgery. <laughs> uh and you know of course the eyes like from the serial killer or something so it's 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 a bizarre little wild one from the very end of john carpenter's career and it's on shutter so you know if, if you're into john carpenter and a completist it's a lot of fun and it's weird
0: <laughs> i so it's basically tales from
2: the crypt yeah it's three it's three little uh shorts with with john carpenter introducing them and, and telling gross uh you know uh, punny gags in between as like a uh, a morgue worker. So <laughs> if that sounds up your alley, it's great. Did he direct all the shorts? I don't think so. I, in fact, I want to say Toby Hooper directed one of them. I think he directed one and Carpenter directed the other two. And then Carpenter directed the, like, I mean, the whole thing is like his production. So I see, but it's an interesting one.
0: <laughs> all right. Well, Cal, let's, uh, let's check out what, uh, what you've got, to, what you guys have been up to over there.
3: Well, um, as uh, people who visit the site might know just from kind of the stuff that I've been publishing lately, you know, I've, I've been watching a lot of uh, uh, kind of downers. I, I tend to lean into um, my bad feelings as a way to process them. Uh, so when I'm, you know, depressed, uh, it, it doesn't do me a lot of good to watch like a romantic comedy, even if it's a movie that I love. And part of that is um, it just helps me for some reason uh, when I'm helps me deal with things uh, a little bit better when I can kind of see that reflected in media. And obviously uh, a quarantine is not a uh, completely unheard of uh, scenario in film or books or anything like that. But, um, I guess what I will recommend to people and, um, something that I've been kind of working my way through is actually, um, I found that weirdly there's a really robust and interesting catalog of really great video games kind of dealing with, you know, uh, pandemics, disease, and the various, uh, causes of them, um, from a uh, Sekiro, which came out last year and which I'm kind of working on getting a hundred percent on to um, uh, Pathologic 2, which I think if you are a fan of like art movies uh, or if you're a fan of like kind of more artsy cinema, Pathologic 2 is the kind of challenging, uh, grotesque uh almost harrowing game that uh you don't see in a lot of other instances uh got back back into death stranding since uh, i find a new relatability to a world of people living isolated indoors connected only by the internet and delivery men (laughs) Um, (laughs) so yeah uh um i've been yeah i've been really trying to. uh, really trying to enjoy playing things like uh, things like those, Bloodborne, stuff like that. And I, I feel like the nice thing about video games for me during a, a really stressful time is they tend to require so much attention that I can't be, you know, uh, reading the news obsessively. I can't be, you know, watching every... Uh, um, Uh, you know, a press press conference that, you know, the uh, government has on any level. Uh, I can't be kind of hyper focusing on uh, the bad things going on around me and can instead kind of work in a more chill focused way to work through how I'm feeling about all of this.
0: Yeah, it's, I think that that's a good. That's a good thing to bring up because you know I've I've often struggled with the idea of like I want to watch something that makes me feel good, whether it's actually good or not, right? I, like I hear a lot of people say stuff like that, and I I don't necessarily always relate. Though I will say I've found a way to relate recently with probably something Hannah will talk about in a bit, but. um I, I I tend to work out, like, I, things that are based around, like, sort of more oppressive topics, more, um, uh, I don't know, I guess, depressing areas of, of uh, sort of human existence don't necessarily make me, like, feel bad in a situation like this. It's just, it almost makes me feel, like, in a way similar to you, Cal, uh, like, it makes me just feel like I'm almost hardening myself a bit, uh, which is, you know, kind of, I I don't know if that's the right way to put it, but that's sort of how I felt, you know, when uh, I played Death Stranding, not a few months ago, even before all of this was uh, a real thing that was in our face. Um, I am curious, though, is Death Stranding working better for you now that you're playing it again?
3: You know, I... (sighs) sort of um there are parts of the game that i think are so uh fantastic so um interesting insightful all of that and those parts i think really do and that's that's when you're making the deliveries when you are trying to um uh kind of navigate this this landscape uh on the other hand, I find myself more frustrated by the stuff around the BTS. Um, uh, just it's which which the the ghostly element of the game has so many um, cool visuals and interesting ideas, but is just not very fun to play. And so you know, I mean, Death Stranding is definitely lower on my list of things. You know. Um, uh, if I want something really exciting, I'm loading up Bloodborne or Sekiro. If I want something that is uh, really thoughtful uh, in the way that it approaches kind of these these ideas, uh, I'm I'm going with Pathologic too. And so, um, Death Stranding is low on my list, but it is something that I'm consciously making an effort to think about more and uh, revisit a little more. Just because you know, it really does feel like it has a new relevance to me.
0: I like the um, the community aspect of that game, though. I guess I, I may I maybe I'm, I'm even overrating how oppressive it is, because frankly, there's a, a quite optimistic aspect to it in that players help one another and are rewarded by doing so. So like the idea of I'm going to build this bridge and now people can use this bridge that are on the same server as me. And I'm doing I'm laying down this ladder so other people can utilize it or I'm leaving packages behind for people to deliver and get points for like there was something about that that I found very forward thinking um, and hopeful and kind of kind of wonderful uh, in a way that you don't see in gaming much anymore. Uh, you know, Especially, I guess, because gaming tends to be like one of the more poisonous community aspects, sadly. So it's kind of nice to see like see like something that is, is built around people sort of giving each other a helping hand, which I think kind of gets back to sort of the, the spirit of what everyone's trying to do now with social distancing. Everyone do your part. And if you can help other people do that, too.
3: Yeah, you know, uh, I think that's a really good point. I the multiplayer aspect of Death Stranding was one of the most interesting aspects of the game and I think one of my favorite just um game mechanics from last year. It really pushes you into not a not even just a cooperative, but just a um it really pushes you to uh kind of consider the effect that you're having on the world of other people. And um, that's something that obviously is is on my mind a lot right now. Um, In a way, there's even an aspect of that multiplayer experience that pushes the same kind of ideals as um, uh, the mutual aid societies that are popping up all over the country where, You know, you can sign up to volunteer and if if someone needs uh, medicine and doesn't have a car, you can deliver them medicine. If someone needs, you know, uh, emergency bag of rice and uh, they're immunocompromised and don't feel safe going to a grocery store, you can sign up to help them with that and those kind of societies i think are really important to fostering that sense of community and that's not something games do very well and uh, death stranding is one of the only ones that does
0: um the last question about that topic are you playing it like on easy hard normal
3: uh i think i'm just on normal uh you know um uh hard i really only like if, I, if I'm playing something on hard, it's almost always a game that was made to be hard. Like that's Sekiro, uh, Dark Souls, things like that. I love those games because they're perfectly tuned to a specific kind of experience. I don't feel like Death Stranding would be that way for me. Uh, I don't feel like a lot of the games that have difficulty settings, I don't enjoy playing on hard or on easy. I, I go with whatever the default is most of the time.
0: We kicked that thing down to very easy, and let me tell you, we were able to beat it, and that was awesome.
1: <laughs> you know, I, th- I think that game benefits a little bit from knocking it down in the settings, only because I was getting kind of bored with the tedium of some of the tasks. Um, like, I, I, I liked, I liked that game a lot, but it has a strange balance of like tons and tons of plot and then tons and tons of delivery stuff, which the delivery stuff is, sometimes it's really interesting and sometimes it's very fetch questy. And the balance between the two seems off sometimes. Um, So at a certain point, I feel like we hit a stretch where we hadn't had any main story in a long time. We'd done a lot of the more interesting delivery runs. um, And so we just knocked it down easy and it helped us kind of sail through it a little faster.
3: Yeah, I I totally get doing that. And I think that, Uh, I would have done the same thing if I had stuck with it at the time that it came out. Um, But uh, I think that's one of the interesting things about, you know, being kind of in a shelter in place order and being at a time when, you know, we shouldn't be interacting with other people is, um, uh, I, I find myself with more time than I used to have. And so, Uh, taking that extra time actually does appeal to me. And I think that's one reason why video games are what's been calling to me is, you know, if I have to fill every day for the next, you know, few weeks, um, uh, video games are a really good way to kind of uh, uh, keep your energy and interest. And um, uh, so, yeah, I, I suspect that I will not be doing that, but uh i'm also not super far in the game um and so uh it could be that i'll get to a point where i i too kind of i'm just like okay i i get what you're doing here let me continue to see this narrative
0: Mm yeah um well on my side of things uh let me let me just kill this conversation cold. we we're having a really nice conversation here, but I'm about to kill it cold with with like the worst like way I've been spending my time so um i I've been like feeling really I don't know maybe it's just with getting older uh and i'm, I'm but I am the oldest person on this podcast not by much but I am I am the oldest by 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 a couple of years and i I've been feeling really nostalgic for the things that I liked as a kid um, in a way that probably some people would consider not that healthy, but I, I recently rediscovered some of the old computer games that I played when I was like seven or eight um, through Gog uh, good old games. And uh, specifically I'm talking about like the old uh, Sierra and Lucas arts adventure games. So uh, over the last week, I have been downloading, I've spent probably about $100 on adventure games like King's Quest, Space Quest, Leisure Suit Larry, um, uh, Day of the Tentacle, Maniac Mansion, uh, and uh, Grim Fandango, stuff like that. And I've just kind of been playing through them just to sort of like, I don't know, recapture something that i felt when i was little to sort of like uh play through you know just sort of like how like games were approached then and i'm also just kind of playing them in order in which they were released so that's kind of been an interesting thing to do to sit there with these old style adventure games that have typing parsers and like as you go from screen to screen to go look 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 around look at shelf Pick up object. Pick up. Hit switch. Turn on light. Whatever it is, you do. Talk to person. Talk to man, uh, and type in all these different commands, and sort of like learn how the parsers have evolved. Um, and it's, it's particularly interesting to like play the very first King's Quest, which, frankly, it's it's so it's it's so ancient it should be in a museum. Uh, really. Uh, like even typing look, it doesn't understand what you're saying, but it's kind of fascinating to see how a game goes from like this all text like format to the sort of graphical format to then from the EGA format to sort of a multicolored EGA format to then VGA to being able to go from text to like point and click. And a lot of this has just been something that I've been fascinated in for some time. But now, like I have the ability to actually buy these things, and they're so cheap on God—they're like two dollars a game. So I've just had fun like going through and playing these things, and they require like a type of patience that I don't feel like is as um, ready, readily available uh, in like AAA games. So it's sort of like the games that are now like indie games were mainstream games back in like 1987, 1988, 1989. And now I'm just been revisiting them, and I don't know if I'm the only person who's ever played these types of games when they when they came out or when they were popular. But uh, it's just something that I've attempted to sort of relive, I guess, for the last few days.
3: Don't don't think we didn't hear you sneak in uh, Leisure Suit Larry there. Uh, <laughs> oh not, sure, naughty boy.
0: Oh yeah, man. You know that was the first one I ever played. Uh, my dad bought that on our Amstrad in 1987, 1988. That was one of the... He bought that game, Police Quest, and King's Quest three, And Leisure Suit Larry uh, was the one that my dad must have liked the best because he got the sequel uh, when that came out a couple of years later or a year later or whenever it was. So I played both of those at, like, the age of eight, uh, maybe even seven. Um, and it's funny, in that game to be able to play it, you have to answer some trivia questions to prove you're over the age of 18. <laughs> and it's like, it's the first time I ever heard, heard the name Spiro Agnew. Um, <laughs> <Uh-oh>.
3: <laughs>
0: like these, like at these just various points of seventies and eighties, uh, history. It's <laughs> <culture>. so funny. <laughs> and, uh, but what's even funnier to me is like thinking back to King's Quest three, which is a, a pretty big step forward for these types of games. There's something about that plot of that game. Like the the the, the point is, you're like a a, a an or like a, a boy who's been kidnapped, and you live in a in a, in like a, a house with a wizard, and you basically have to like clean up. You're a slave more or less, and every every time he goes away, you get the chance to run run into town, run through his his room, rummage his stuff, so you can create spells and everything. And what's funny about that game is that it runs on a timer. So like every 30 minutes, the wizard comes back and you have to replace everything so he knows you didn't leave. like you, Or so he knows that you weren't trying to leave or you weren't up to anything. And what it reminds me of is The Lighthouse. Weird. <laughs> 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 I don't know why, but like the central premise of The Lighthouse where, you know, Robert Pattinson's character is like kind of under the watchful eye of this this old man uh, who's kind of magical in some way. And even in the end kind of cast some kind of spell on him there. I'm pretty well convinced Robert Eggers has played King's quest three in his life. And <laughs> I, feel, I feel like there's some tie there. If I ever get a chance to interview Robert Eggers, I'm going to ask him about it for damn sure.
3: The, the real question is in, in King's quest three, have you spilled your beans yet? <laughs> <laughs> you know, what?
0: There's only beans in King's quest one. And that's to create the, the Jack and the Beanstalk Beanstalk that you climb. And let me tell you, it's a pain in the ass to climb. It's the kind of thing you have to put on the slowest setting and save every time you make an advancement, because one wrong
2: step, you're falling off that thing
3: and you're dead. Oh, <laughs> uh, old games.
2: I know. <laughs> Dude, we, uh, this, I think it was this past summer, on um, one of the shoots I was on for a horror movie, we, my friend brought his like his old Mac as a prop, but he actually brought some of the old games and we were playing a game like that. I want to say it was called like Dracula's Castle 2 or Dracula 2. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't remember which one it was, but we sat around and played it for like two hours while we were waiting for makeup to finish. And it was awesome. Like we had such a good time playing it. And I, the, my favorite funny thing about it was that uh, he had a like a guide to it that was printed out. And I thought he had just printed it from like you know remember game FAQs or like cheat CC back in the day. No, he had had to like pay to have it mail ordered, and somebody sent him a piece of paper with a guide on how to get through the game. And I was like, you know, wow, think things have changed a little bit in the in the course of uh, thirty years in gaming.
3: (laughs) Oh man, you you hear stories about how much money people used to spend on those uh, like Nintendo chat services where you could. Oh, call yeah. nintendo and ask i'm uh, like a 900 number and be like hey how do i beat this boss or what's the answer to this puzzle
0: yeah it was like uh 299 a minute i think yeah
1: well, for the internet I could just tell you
0: yeah right. <laughs> so, the era the company that made all them games i was talking about uh there weren't the lucas arts once they had their own hotline that people would call for the exact same thing Wow. Um, or you or you would go buy hint books over at uh, your local electronics boutique. Yeah, that's I what I did.
1: Those guides.
0: Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah, I had a few. I had quite a few. I've still, um,
1: still
2: got many that are like frayed and torn to pieces from having looked at them so much as a kid.
3: <laughs> I, I, I actually recently bought a couple like of those like strategy guides in part because a th- a thing that has become all, you know a, a prominent is for certain games uh they've started to almost go the like criterion route and do like uh really elaborate beautifully designed strategy guides with like history and design information and all that in them
2: oh yeah those zelda ones are gorgeous
3: the zelda ones i've got the dark souls ones um trying to see if i can find the out-of-print bloodborne one somewhere but yeah they're they're gorgeous um
0: I I really miss those old adventure games, though, man, like they, they, they tried to make a comeback in those telltale games, but I feel like they just weren't the same. I don't know. I sometimes I just want a game where it narrates every single thing I do. Uh, I remember when Hannah and I first started dating, I was playing one of these King's quests and uh, she started laughing because I was playing this guy Alexander and he's sitting there on, on a beach and I go over to look at a chest that's on the beach and, the, and as soon as I put the eye icon on it and it goes, Alexander looks at the chest. <laughs> and I said, like, what are you playing? <laughs> uh, it's, it's uh, yeah, it, it, it's, a, it's an archaic type of game, but I, I don't know. It was my peak gaming time, I guess.
3: Have you ever played a game called The Stanley Parable? yeah man yeah okay yeah that you're really bringing that to mind there and uh that was such a delightful experience
2: yeah
0: it's fun to have a game that's like really dense in terms of its narrative qualities that game was like a whole new experiment to me like it's one thing for a game to react to what you're doing and that game almost felt like you were reacting to what it was saying
2: (laughs) yeah it's a it's a weird experience i love that game yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a good
3: one. Um, I will say, Kyle, I don't know if you like the game because it is a um, it is a, a hostile experience in some ways. But from my list, I, I you might get a kick out of Pathologic or Pathologic Two.
0: Okay, I'll check it out. Is it on? Is it on
3: PS Four? Uh, Pathologic Two is, and I believe Pathologic Two is just a remake of the first one with more kind of user-friendly elements okay okay
0: yeah i'll check it out I'm, I'm always down for new games and i got a few weeks before uh the new resident evil comes out so uh which will be a nighttime party game for us
1: you've got another one that is coming out this week that maybe you don't even know about what's, um, what's coming out this week control has an expansion coming oh! out this week god
0: wait is it the one that has alan wake in it though
1: i don't know anything about the plot but it's it's more story taking place after the ending
0: oh my god this is fucking amazing it's
1: march 26
0: oh my god i have to check that out i didn't even remember that the control expansions were coming i knew i didn't delete that game for a reason <laughs> Hell yeah. Uh, boy, Control, that's a good game. All right, but Pathologic 2, I'll keep that in mind. The only other thing I'm doing, and I, and I won't spend any time talking about this because I haven't gotten far enough in my reading, but every night I've been reading an issue of Astro City. Nice. And, uh, uh, you know, Cal, I-, I owe you a good discussion on that someday. But uh, I will say that that is actually one of the more delightful superhero comics reads I've had in some time. Uh, it's one of these things that I've stopped and started a number of times. But, uh, yeah. Uh, Kurt Busiek uh, and Brent, Brent Anderson, uh, really, really good at bringing, bringing a, a living, breathing superhero world to life uh, in a way that I have not had a chance to experience in some time. Uh, Hannah?
1: What about Criterion Channel? Did oh, Criterion
0: Channel, that? yes. Uh, so uh, my parents, you know, it was my birthday the other day and uh, my parents got me a, um, a, a year-long subscription to the Criterion Channel. Awesome. And so uh, I've been doing that. <laughs> like, I've been...
1: he's got like forty movies in his queue already. We—he's only been playing with it for like a day. So
0: yeah, <laughs> it'll keep growing, yeah. I'm sure. Yeah. Well, you know, I don't think the Fire Stick version of the apps that is so great. Like, it's okay, but it's hard to find stuff. Uh, so I'm going to go on the website and try and find more things. But I, I have added some uh, some Wong Kar Wai, uh, and I've added uh, some Kim Ki and, uh, uh, you know, a number of other things. Which of his stuff
2: is on uh, is on the Criterion channel?
0: I don't know. I, there's like one movie. Right, it's okay. like, Just curious. It's like, I can't remember what it is. But Edward Yang is on there. He's got three movies. Oh, nice. which yeah,
2: he's great.
0: Yeah, I oh, just watched that maybe, a
2: few months ago and really liked brighter it. Brighter
0: Summer Days on there, it's like four hours long. <laughs> but I want to this watch. is the time.
2: <laughs> <laughs> what,
0: else, what else am I gonna do? You know, King Graham <laughs> and Leadership Larry can wait. Let's, let's see a movie about uh about Taiwanese gangsters instead. Um,
3: yeah, I've been watching Criterion stuff. Yeah, anything in particular? It's, it's, I just watched uh Desperately Seeking Susan for the first time and, and found that delightful. Um, early. I think it's Madonna's very first role, and uh, it's Susan Seidelman who did uh, *Smithereens*, which is a really great, underrated, uh, just underknown, um, uh, like nineteen eighties, uh, like punk scene little little movie. And uh, *Desperately Seeking Susan* is more um, uh, mainstream than *Smithereens* was, but it's still a really charming, entertaining movie wait who's the filmmaker behind that it's uh susan seidelman who directed smithereens
0: got it got it um yeah i've added a few other things too um like uh there's been a few different french films like Lahan. i've been wanting to watch that for some time uh 400 blows is on there which i've wanted to see i've wanted to see all those movies like 400 blows is sort of the original uh before sunrise before sunset kind of thing yeah but that, it's that whole and, series is great yeah yeah it's the same it's like he starts as a kid and it's the they, this guy he he's brought back like every i think 10 years yeah. uh, for a new movie uh and it's basically wow. goes all the way up to like he's like 40 i think something like uh, that. yeah yeah so i'm i'm excited to i don't know if they have them all on there but I also put a bunch of Ozu films on uh, on my list, too. So it's
1: like Boyhood. Was that it?
0: Boyhood, yeah, yeah. But, but you know, uh, a bunch of movies. Like, cool. So, yeah, rather than, like, vignettes. Uh, but, yeah, I'm excited about Ozu, especially Good Morning, which I was telling Hannah is about a couple of boys who get mad that their parents won't buy them a TV, so they stop talking. <laughs> 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 I was like, I have to watch that. <laughs> uh Speaking of Hannah, uh, what, uh, what what about you? What uh, what are the things that uh, you you're enjoying the most during our quarantine?
1: Okay, so video game wise, there's things I'm looking forward to and things we're doing currently. The things I'm looking forward to one is Control the expansion for that. Which if you haven't played Control, it's a good time to pick it up. It's a really fun and engaging game, and it's like long but not too long, like not triple digit hours long. Um, and then the expansion releases Thursday. And then I'm also really excited to play Persona 5R, which is basically Persona 5, but with some new elements added and a new character. Um, It's a game I've been meaning to replay anyway, so it's kind of like perfect timing. Um, And then on the what I'm actually playing side of things, we've actually been fairly social, and this is something Harper knows on the video game side, um, because a friend of ours, Spencer, created this group of us, and we play... We've played two weeks in a row now on the weekend, um, Friday the 13th. That game is really, it's really exciting and enjoyable. And I think it's pretty cheap too on PlayStation if you have a PlayStation. Yeah, it was
2: free for a while if, you, if you're if you on PS yeah, Plus. Yeah,
1: we got it free. I think even now it's probably not very much. Okay. Um, and essentially what you do is you can play with a group of people you know, or you randomly just get thrown into a room online with a bunch of people. And most of you are camp counselors and one of you is Jason and you go around the camp stalking people and killing them. Um, the game is definitely geared towards Jason winning. It's very difficult to survive as a camp counselor, but it's really fun. And on top of that, if you have a headset, the audio mechanic is really fun, too, because it's it's the kind of thing where you can only hear the people who are physically nearby you, or if you pick up a radio, you can hear other counselors that way, Um so that's been like a fun way to stay semi-social with that same group of friends. We've also been playing um, those Jackbox games, which are like trivia and things like that. Um, and a friend of ours is just kind of streaming that on Twitch. And we all answer with our phones and that's been really fun too. So that's what we've been doing on the game side on the watching stuff side. We actually started rewatching Star Trek, the next generation before all of this happened. (laughs) Um, And that was something I tried to do years ago. And I just went in trying to watch every single episode and I failed because there are a lot of duds in season one and season two. And I got stuck somewhere in season two. So what I would recommend doing is looking up an episode guide, at least for the first two seasons and finding which ones to watch and which ones to skip. You can skip a whole lot of them. But once you get to about season three, Um, It's a really, really solid show that holds up, especially after how long it's been. Um, And I'm finding it super comforting right now, not because it's necessarily always feel good. Like, it certainly deals with conflict and aggression and all kinds of horrible things. But it's a group of really smart, capable people who are handling things in an adult way. (laughs) Like, it just gives you a lot of hope for humanity and like how things could be even when things are dark and I think it's just kind of a nice salve right now
0: yeah this this is um another one of those shows that kind of harkens back to like my and Hannah's childhoods really because there's things we watched when we were little kids and uh so it sort of brings back a lot of those sort of welling up memories um but on top of that this was also what I was hinting at much like Hannah just said This is the show that, like, has actually acted as a bit of a balm uh, against real world events for us a bit. Like, it's just sort of a beautiful utopian escapist fantasy. And I have greatly enjoyed its 45-minute nature, one story for every episode, very episodic. uh, There's some serialization, but you can jump into almost any episode pretty cold uh, because it was a syndicated TV show. And the writing is really good. Um,
1: yeah, superb storytelling. Yeah. And I think what makes a utopian isn't that things are perfect. Like I said, there's definitely lots of wars and conflict and aggressions still happening. It's again just like humanity is better.
0: Yeah, um, I've, i I've I've had a really nice time. It, Visiting it, especially as the show Picard is on CBS All Access right now, which you know, unfortunately, I don't think is very good at all, and it sort of shines by comparison to like the current offerings of Star Trek, which I I, I can kind of enjoy on some level, and uh, I certainly think I have, I have nice production values, but I like the writing in this show, and then we're gonna watch Deep Space Nine after this, uh, and it like I like the, the writing of these shows are just far superior on every level. Um it's it's really kind of night and day.
1: And they're like 45 minutes long, and there's like what, seven seasons of next gen and way more than that of Deep Space Nine. So it's kind of like an endless well of entertainment for the moment. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah.
0: And I will say revisiting some of the early seasons of of Next Gen has actually been more fun than uh I, I than I remember it being like we skipped a lot, but what I watched, it's so bonkers and terrible like it's almost kind of hard to believe there was ever a second season of that show.
2: Yeah. I need to get on that, man. Cause I started watching original series years and years ago and got like maybe halfway into the second season and then just kind of fizzled out on it. But this is like the perfect time to, cause there are, there's like a thousand. I remember I totaled it up one time. It's like, something like 700 episodes total between all the Star Trek series that were on Netflix at the time.
1: (laughs) I I don't love the original series personally. I mean, maybe I need to give it more of a chance, but part of it is just, it's, it's from a different era, you know, um, it doesn't hold up quite the same. Um, part of it is I just don't think the characters are quite as well developed. Um, but yeah, I've never been able to do an original series rewatch, but next gen is definitely very doable. Partly because they've remastered the show too, so the quality of it actually looks pretty good on Netflix. Yeah. Um, but then also, like I said, as long as you can get past the duds in seasons one and two, um, which we can send you the episode guide that we used if you want, yeah, it sure. definitely holds up after that.
0: Yeah. The thing that I've been noticing on Next Gen is how often they pull on their shirts like because i com- pointed
1: that out to yeah you. <laughs> hands
0: pointed out to me now i can't ever unnotice it every time they stand up they pull on their damn shirts to like straighten them out uh <laughs> they have like this this belt this like um sort of elastic band at the bottom of their shirts and they're constantly pulling on them
1: yeah so in the first couple I'm seasons like- they were like unitards like <laughs> one piece unitards and then apparently from what i read Patrick Stewart's chiropractor told him that the unit card was too tight and causing problems for him with alignment. So he lobbied the show to create like two-piece uniforms. Wow. So, <laughs>
3: sounds like someone could use some TC tuggers.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I just want to say, though, before Prior to watching Next Gen, I was not into Riker at all. Now I am a full-blown Riker is my favorite character on Next Gen by far.
1: I think you have to be middle-aged to appreciate Riker. I think and so. And so now we can.
0: It's not just that, but it's also like, I guess now that Riker is a meme, uh, or like not Riker, but Jonathan frakes from that uh believe it or not show oh or whatever the hell it was he was on. When's the last time you went into a restaurant? <laughs> <laughs> You're the tallest man you've ever seen. <laughs> <laughs> and we made it up. This was invented by a writer.
2: <laughs> I love that.
0: Oh it's incredible. so every time he's on screen i'm just i'm I'm just overjoyed and we just watched a, a Riker episode, and it turns out for the most part, he was really playing trombone on that show. He said when it was bad, it was him playing when it was someone when it was good, it was someone else playing. <laughs> oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, man well that's a, a pretty good i would say sampling of what we're doing quarantine wise so
1: we should check back in two weeks and see if we've descended further into badness or found <laughs> things to do or
0: what. i think an update would be a good a good thing to do uh maybe we found something new to jump into and uh Cal, maybe I can finally talk to you about Astro City in two weeks. We'll see how much further I get. I just got to the vampire stuff, so I'm very excited about that. Um, <laughs> Hell yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, in the meantime, uh, let us know if y'all check out any of the stuff we're talking about. Uh, you know, Please hit us up on any of our social media feeds or uh, in the comments, and uh, we will be uh, delighted to check back in with you two weeks. You guys be safe. Uh, and wash your damn hands.